Before we get started with the show today, we have a listener to thank for a donation. Paul Boudouin donated $50 to us via PayPal. Thank you so much, Paul. You're a great friend of the show, and we really appreciate you. If you would like your own shout out on the Messy Studio Podcast, please go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. It's a yellow button in the upper right hand corner that says donate. And there you can set up a single time or a recurring monthly donation for literally any amount. So that's www.messystudiopodcast.com and click that donate button. And thanks again to Paul. We really appreciate it. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Today we are talking about visual language. Learning to use the visual elements and design principles in your work is often compared to acquiring vocabulary and then being able to use those words to communicate. It also means being able to understand better what other artists have to say in their work. This understanding is basic and contributes to your growth for your whole artistic life. It also grows in tandem with intuitive responses and understanding. Yet many artists do not progress much beyond a limited vocabulary used only in a few repeated combinations. Today we will give a perspective on the benefits of growing your visual vocabulary. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Um, This is very basic stuff, and it's hard to really progress as an artist without um, understanding these things. And there are so many benefits to it. I mean, it it really uh, being able to understand the basic elements and principles really opens up your range of ideas. Um, It gives you tools to evaluate your own work, to self critique, and and also, as you mentioned in the intro, to communicate with other artists, because this is a, a universal language. Um, when you look at these things, and we're going to go through them somewhat briefly later on, um, there may not be, um, you may not have the same interest level in each and every one, because we all have some preferences. Um, it's part of our personal voice, you know, to know these preferences in yourself, but it's also good to keep an open mind because uh, sometimes it's a case of uh, you don't know what you don't know, right? If you've if you've just kind of put some of these things aside and never really considered them, um, it could mean you're cutting off some perspective ideas, uh, letting things just kind of lie dormant. Well, and for the professional artists out there, this may seem kind of like art school stuff, boring college stuff. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's really, it's never a bad idea to go back and just take another look at the fundamentals and make sure that you, you know, have a really in-depth understanding of them. Yeah. And, and re reapplying them. Right. Yeah. You, you may see gaps in your own work or you may be able to better understand somebody else's work that you're looking at. Yeah. And because, you know, as a, artist with a lot of experience behind you, your use of these things will change over time. So, um, and it, it should. And so, you know, making a habit of of reconsidering these things at various points during self-critique or looking at a body of work and so forth is really good. And it's, um, they, they always can come back. I mean, it's not something you you learn and you put away. It just is very in- integral to, you know, what you're doing uh, all the time. Um, 
so uh, the thing about, you know, the point about applying this to other people's work is, is also beneficial to yourself because it, it's, a, it's a matter of being able to articulate things. And you might, you know, it's good in, in, in conversation with another artist to say, oh, I, I like the way you're um, arranging things here in this particular type of composition because, and you could be able to talk about it, they'll learn more and they'll understand what you're saying more because they do speak the same language. But it's also a matter of if you can articulate these things to yourself, then it starts to make sense uh, as something that maybe you want to consider in your own work. And I, I'm not talking here about copying anyone or you know stealing someone's ideas, but it's like interpreting them. So let's say you looked at someone's painting and you th- you said I, I like the way you're using warm and cool colors here. You know they're they're interacting really well, and you have that language to be able to talk about warm and cool colors. That you can carry back to your own work rather than some sort of vague idea of you like their colors. So the more you can articulate, the more you even learn in your own mind. Um, so it's it's all just you know becoming more informed and better able to talk about this stuff that you know it does get down to certain terms and certain ideas that we apply to these things and um and this ties into our last episode on handling critique mm-hmm. um because if you can, if you don't have these basic fundamental knowledge and basic vo- vocabulary to be able to describe this stuff then you can neither give nor receive critique constructively yeah exactly and you know, to be able to offer someone else an insight that you can speak about because you have the language, um, and um, and and as well to understand what someone else is telling you is really valuable. And here we're talking about spoken language, and the these things have their own language. They have the visual language, which is you know what we're calling the episode. The visual language is the way that you speak with the visual elements and the design principles and. You know, when, when we go through these things and we talk about them, and and by the way, you and I and, and all our listeners recognize the limitations of talking about something like color, <laughs> you know, when we, this is a not a visual medium that we're using here, um, but even just talking about them, uh, you know, it can seem kind of dry or academic, um, and, you know, I, I, I wanted to make the point um, – that you mentioned in the intro that the the understanding of these elements and principles goes along with intuitive understanding and um so one of the one of art's great balancing acts is you're balancing your intuition your um your non-rational brain with um your analytic brain you know and trying to figure things out and it it is possible when you hear this stuff to overthink it. I mean, you may think, oh, I just need to study all these terms and what they mean, um, and I'll get it, and it's going to be sort of a dull and boring process, but you know, but it's not that. It's, it, um, it's more like once you have a basis of knowledge, then it, it's not inhibiting in and of itself. It leads to an understanding, and that kind of is implanted inside and so once you have that kind of basis, you can step away more easily. Um, and and it also helps you, I mean, 
to to know that there's an intuitive part of this helps you realize that this is a long long history right going back why do we why do we even have these principles of design because you know they have proven themselves over time right and it's it's something that's fundamental to the human organism um we're, we're very visual creatures and our optic nerve goes right to the back of the brain which is the the very oldest part of our brain um and uh and, and we don't really understand why this universal visual language works the way it does. We just know that it does. So the elements mm-hmm. and the principles of design, they, they're a, a language that, that is intrinsic to the human organism that we don't really understand how or why it exists, which is really interesting. And there's all these different things that we're still kind of figuring out. Like uh, I remember when I was in art school, the the newest thing was uh, Fibonacci and uh, the golden mean. And this is stuff that's been around since ancient Greece, uh-huh. but applying it to uh, focal point and, and Fibonacci spirals. And, and why is it that certain points draw the eye just naturally in a in a blank canvas and where you place those focal points and how that works with the human psychology um and and this is something that we've been studying for literally thousands of years and we don't yet fully understand it it adds this kind of um almost a mystique to it that you know is anything but dry and academic um yeah, it's it's incredibly interesting, um, and it's there's there's a lot that we don't understand about it, um, and and that's why it works intuitively as well, um, and and why some of this stuff can seem a little bit dry and well, of course, you know, I need line and shape and color and all these elements. I, they just seem to it's it's all common sense for in some way, but it's also the way that we organize and use these elements and principles. Um, to create an infinite variety of visual effects, mm-hmm. um, and and what works and what doesn't is it, yeah. it, it's something that it, it takes a decades to really master it. Yeah, and we all do it somewhat differently, um, which is our personal voice. And so there's there's a certain amount you can learn um, directly, and there's a certain amount that. You know, you you sort of know you know when things look right. You know, you know when something works, when a composition works, and so it's it is that interesting interaction of <laughs> the two different ways of perceiving, I guess, um, intellectually or just visually, intuitively. I I, ha- I found a quote. I was reading a book about my favorite Irish poet um, Seamus Heaney, and he was being interviewed. Um, about his work. So he's a poet, so he's talking about words here. But it's it speaks to that like, kind of like that balance of knowing things and just understanding things because we're human beings or we perceive things. And what he said about poetry was um the secret of being a poet lies in the summoning and meshing of the subconscious and the semantic energies of words. And you know, the kind of what they actually mean, the semantic a part of it, plus the just this kind of uh, subconscious subconscious knowing or something, and but I like that that phrase summoning and meshing of these two things, um, and it it really seems to be about that sort of the subjective and the objective experience of the world we see, or in his case, the world that is written about. So 
uh, anyway, it it crosses um, it crosses other lines out of visual art as well. This whole process, um, any any form of art, music or anything has writing has these same the same thing, right? I mean, some of it is very rule oriented or principle oriented, and some of it is not. So, um, so I mean, I guess if if we've convinced our listeners that these are important. Um, uh, I can say a few words about them. Um, and I would say, if you are a beginner, this stuff may seem intimidating. Uh, it really isn't because um, this is knowledge that you can acquire step by step. And it's it's a gradual process. Um, you don't have to do it all at once. And and most people have some ways of working that are kind of natural to them. They they prefer certain colors or compositions, and, and that's where you can start. And then if you're more experienced, you can take this kind of thing uh, to challenge yourself and say, well, I'm, I've been doing this same, I've been using this same color palette for too long. I want to try something else, um, for example. So uh, we, as I said, like, towards the beginning, we, we never really fully learn this stuff. We are always learning it. And so it, it never hurts to reconsider about it. And if you are starting out, I mean, there's lots of ways to get this basic knowledge. And, and because we're limited here to words, it's not going to be that extensive. I'm just going to kind of run through them. But there's so many resources, books and workshops and videos. And, and I think to go about this with a sense of excitement, I mean, these are this is ex exploration that can really feed your work um, with, the, with the idea, with the goal that, you know, find out what works for you, what, what feels right, what is most expressive, um, and without, you know, totally discounting things that seem more challenging or harder to grasp, because that's, that's the growth point there. <laughs> um, and I, I was thinking about all this uh, yesterday. I was looking at my own work in the studio here, and... Um, I was making notes. I was trying to see connections between different pieces and, you know, just trying to kind of chart a way forward from different things that I'm working on and thinking about shape and line and color and composition and what is it I want to express and all this stuff. And I thought this this process, which can be difficult, I mean, you, you have to really focus, sit there, really look, make some notes, maybe talk to someone if you can do that. Um, it's so important and it's really challenging. It's like you have to, it's a discipline, I think, to, to make yourself look at your own work and to go, go through, literally go through the different elements and principles and see how are they working or how are they not working. Um, so that, that's all to say, you know, I personally use this stuff and I think it's, um, it's really helpful. So I think just to go through, the basics um, overview, and with an emphasis really, I think, on why this stuff is important, not really what it is, because we can't really show that, but what are the visual elements? Um, they are the building blocks, vocabulary, as we mentioned earlier, and specifically line, color, value, shape, shape or form. Form is more the three-dimensional aspect of this, and texture. Um, and speaking of three-dimensional work, space is also a consideration how how the object is sitting in space. But um, since I'm not a 3D artist, I'm 
kind of not very versed in that one, so I'm leaving it out. Um, and these elements, the basic five ones, line, color, value, shape, and texture, um, they, they each can be explored really deeply for their own sake, but they do not exist independently because, I mean, how could you even talk about texture without, you know, referencing uh, other aspects of it like value or color? It's, you know, they're interdependent, but it's useful to look at them um, individually as well, focus on them. Um, and I mentioned personal preference. A lot of artists gravitate towards several of the visual elements, but not necessarily all of them. Um, especially you notice this in abstraction because abstract artists have that freedom really to decide um, they don't need, say, line so much. It may be in there, but it's not an interest. Um, a more realistic painter or artist would be concerned more with all of the elements in order to convey the realism of what they're looking at. So, um, but, but you, you know, you can sense, are you, I'm, I'm really interested in color or shape really speaks to me or whatever. Um, but because of this interrelationship, they're all playing off one another. Uh, you really, uh, if you ignore any of these completely, it's probably going to weaken your work. Um, there is an exception. And that is if you decide uh, if you decide consciously, I'm going to avoid, say, something like color because I want to work for a while using only black and white um, because I want to understand value. Again, the interconnection there, value and color are closely related, but I'm just going to focus on value for a while. You know, that makes sense. But just in the big picture, um, yes, have preferences, but but don't ignore um, the other ones because they, they all have a, a role to play. And so those are those are the vocabulary. Those are the very basic things and ways to explore those. Um, small paintings are are great um, studies, and um, and just maybe working in series where you're you're going to explore color for a while or shape and really focus on that. These are ways to develop, and um, they're important. So whether you're beginning or you know, it's later on, and you think you need work on something. Um, and I want to mention the design principles as well. And this is how these elements are put together. Um, the sentences, the the things you're going to say with these uh, this vocabulary. And describing these is a little trickier because most people that write about art agree on those visual elements. You know, they're they're sort of easy to distinguish. Um, design principles are talked about in, in a lot of different ways with different terms, um, different lists. Like I was just for fun kind of looking it up and seeing some lists of design principles have four or five and some have as many as 12, you know. And they all say kind of the same thing. It's just how they're, whether whether they're totally separated out or whether some are kind of combined together Um and it makes sense to me to kind of combine them because like the elements, they are interdependent. And so I put together a list that I use in my own work. Um, and this covers both the way that the image is composed and, and all this stuff is basically about composition, but also uh, some meaning or mood, like why would you 
do certain things. Um, and that, that to me is, is as important as the mechanics of it, right? And, um, there's a reason why you choose certain ways of making compositions or using certain elements. So, um, so I'm going to run these through these. Um, actually, I guess I have six, five. Okay. There's five. Um, so the first one is, the idea of unity and contrast. And this also gets called um, contrast and variety or something. I'm sorry, unity and variety. Um, but the idea is you're, you're setting up a, a situation where there are strong aspects of the work that are unified and they're harmonious and they're balanced. Um, and there are aspects of the work that provide um, variety and contrast. And here's where you know you confront your meaning what you want to say if you want the work to feel very active and energetic there would probably be more of this contrast and variety in the piece and if you're trying to be more subtle calm etc there might just be little hints of contrast um so your idea for the what you're working on is so important with with all of these but both that unified aspect of the work and and the contrast are important and the the unity you know can be done through things like repetition of certain elements so that kind of ties the work together um or you know color that's harmonious that sort of thing uh the second one is kind of what you were talking about earlier with the um the rule of third i think you mentioned the rule of thirds and the fabonacci spiral is the idea that you know there's certain points in a work of art that draw our attention and sometimes they're called focal points um calling it visual weight and how visual weight is distributed is a little bit more open-ended um and so focal point sometimes seems to be like one thing but really when it gets down to it you've got different points usually in a piece that are pulling your eye throughout um and so the whole idea here is to give the viewer a pathway uh, into the work. And it's really confusing when you're, I think we all know this, we look at some works of art and we're not sure where to look. I mean, it seems very scattered and it doesn't seem like the artist had a very strong intention or idea about what they were, what they wanted to emphasize. Um, and it's confusing and off-putting right away to somebody looking at it. As the artist, you may not really get that because you you get very involved in your work and you may see one area as being definitely very different from another one and it's all, you know, in tiny details, but not a someone looking at it fresh wouldn't necessarily get that. So it's good to have another set of eyes or maybe take a um, photograph and do something to kind of step back from your piece to see this. And this one ties in with that contrast idea because the greatest contrast is where your eyes go and that contrast is formed a lot of ways i mean it could be a strong value contrast it could be a different shape it could be a place where a lot of lines come together and so the kind of the why of this um, is you know why do you choose certain types of um, distrib distribution of this weight do you want an easy flow? You know, do you want somebody to enter in and, and 
move maybe in a nice circular pattern and there's kind of a, a gentle flow to the piece? Or do you want some kind of tension? Do you want an uneasiness to it? Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't work as a composition. It just means there's an edginess to it. Um, and, you know, it gets down to what your concept is if you want that. Uh, you are in charge. You know, you're manipulating all this stuff, right? <laughs> this is, <laughs> it's all about uh, getting the viewer to see um, the way that you do. Um, and the third one, it has to do with proportion and also called hierarchy within a piece of art. So, for example, what's the dominant part of this painting? What's the dominant area of the painting? What's the dominant visual element? And what are kind of the supporting actors? What, um, oftentimes, it is helpful to have a really dominant presence in the work um, from one of the elements or uh, particular shapes or images. So what happens if that isn't very clear is, um, I kind of mentioned this earlier too, but this kind of idea of areas of the painting fighting with each other, they're sort of equally important, but it's not really symmetry. They're not the same thing. They're just equally important. And so the viewer doesn't know where they're supposed to look. Um, and I find that this happens a lot because people uh, give in to areas of the painting that are precious and they've found some lovely, you know, thing going on. The colors are really working and there's some interesting texture there and they don't want to give it up. And we call them, you know, like precious darlings. <laughs> you just, you don't want to smash them and get them, get rid of them because they're so wonderful. But if you have two of them, they end up being precious darlings who are fighting with each other, which really isn't that nice, right? So, <laughs> so it gets down to editing and deciding, okay, one of them's got to go. Um, you really want your painting to have a feeling of, of wholeness and completion. Um, and, and it's, that's something that can only come with a, a whole design that, that is played out on your, on your working surface. Um, and it, it, it kind of reminds me of storytelling. Um, there are very, very few successful films or books that don't follow an archetypal storyline that, basically mirrors something that Shakespeare wrote. Shakespeare wrote basically all the archetypes. There's very few of them that he didn't write. And if mm -hmm. if you deviate from that, then you, you take on a, a large amount of risk in telling a story that what you're going to end up telling doesn't have a sense of completion and wholeness and, and doesn't uh -huh. isn't pleasing for the viewer, yeah. even if it's a tragedy. Yeah. So, so talking about the holistic view is so important. And that's what people lose when they get caught up in the details um, the completion, the wholeness of it involves looking at the whole piece um, and trying to um, tie various things together as a storyteller would do. And, you know, the idea of archetypes, I guess, kind of relates to the visual elements. I mean, they're things we depend on. They're things we all understand at an intuitive level. So, um and and we can get very distracted and we can say, oh, it'd be fun to tell this little side story or go off in this direction and lose the plot, basically. Um, uh, the other thing, uh, there's two more here that I just want to mention briefly. One is scale, and that can mean the actual size of what you're working on. 
also though within within the piece what is the relationship of the the scale of imagery within it so maybe and this works for abstraction too i'm just using imagery as you know it could be just be a shape but how big are the things within the piece uh, compared to the overall size of it so you might have a small piece that had large imagery or a large piece with small imagery that would be kind of interesting um or you know do you want to call attention to that maybe maybe you don't want scale to be important in your work and you're going to use sort of the expected sizes um both of the piece itself and within the piece and those are you know again questions of why why are you doing this and the last one um just to mention briefly this is it sounds really simple but it underlies everything and that is um alignment of form and content and all that means is the form is the is the objective stuff that you could say about a piece it's this size it's these colors um it has a person image of a person in it whatever nobody would argue with um at certain aspects of the work but the content is uh the meaning so that's the subjective that's what the artist means that's what the viewer gets out of it so the alignment of these it just simply means are you saying what you want to say and and how are you using the tools that you have to say it um in a way it's very simple but if it's not in alignment it's the piece falls apart you might be using for example a medium that doesn't really work with what you're trying to do with it and it's going to feel very forced so those are the kind of the basic uh ones that i think are important um putting this together yes yeah, quite a challenge um as we mentioned it can be overthought but a lot of it is intuitive um and <laughs> you know i just want to emphasize again like very few of us if nobody produces excellent work all the time so every time you do something it doesn't quite work is an opportunity to say um looking at these elements and principles and saying yeah what's a bit off here um and then taking that forward and you never really uh, get everything because your work changes and your life changes and all these things so it's an ongoing challenge um but it it's so it's so basic to what we do yeah and i and i always want to compare um visual art to other kinds of art forms and all of these art forms are um, they're really they're playing on the senses. They're manipulating human senses in interesting ways. Uh, music, we're we're playing with sound and with hearing, uh, and with cooking, we're we're playing with smells and tastes. And visual art is playing with the way that things look and the way that things fit together. Um, and all of these things are different languages that we have to learn and when you're first starting out it's it's you're you're going to want to jump to where you could be 10 years from now and and playing with those you know more deeper concepts mm -hmm. um and you really got to start with with the basics and you can still make some really good stuff you can you know yeah. you're, you're not going to be <laughs> you're not going to be a master baker overnight but you can make some really good pancakes that's right yeah it's not all some end game where in the end you're going to finally get to a point where you can make a good painting <laughs> you'll get some good ones right, on the way right yeah yeah 
if you start with the basics, learn your basic ingredients, learn learn how to make really good scrambled eggs, so to speak. You know, work yeah. work with your your basic materials, your basic visual principles and design elements, and and you're you're gonna end up with with something that's very pleasing and and well rounded and looks complete, um, which mm-hmm. is really your goal always. Um, and some things are gonna work, some things are not gonna work, but it's a learning process, like you just said, and yeah. it's. Uh, it's all about playing with these things and and enjoying it. Yeah, and I think I think most artists accept the idea that we never quite get there. <laughs> you know, so there's always right. something up ahead that's tantalizing and pulling you on and and when you when you look at these things as the basic building blocks, they really can point the way. They can you know, you can you can just go through the list and say, "Oh, I haven't really thought about that for a while," you know, and let's try that and um, it's it's endless. <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Oh, only that you know we were only able to quickly run through the actual knowledge. I mean, that's um, that's something that would take a lot of study. Um, and just to say, you know, not to overlook this stuff and and at any point in your career. So, um, yeah, that's about it. I think enough said. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.